a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open, Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown, Bulldogs! It's the MVSP Season 4, Episode 43. Brandon, it's good for me to be back in the studio. I wasn't You're back. Here. I wasn't here Thursday. I missed out on a great interview uh, that you were able to put on, which kind of sucks. So I was really looking forward to being able to be a part of that. But we're back, and we're going to be bringing you guys a great episode today and a huge interview. It's been one that's been a long time coming. We're so excited to bring that to you. Yeah, we'll break down all the Ferris State Athletics over the weekend, including basketball split in the West Michigan rivalry to end the regular season, as well as Hockey Senior Day weekend highlights against Lake State, GLIAC Indoor Championships as well. A lot to cover uh, in an awesome interview with Steve Brocklebank coming up on deck. Uh, but I mean, you're back, Joe. I we, am. We do have a story to so, hear. Okay, so I I drive a Nissan Altima and it. I used to drive a Jeep, which had four-wheel drive. Would have never happened to me if I had the Jeep still. But I have a Nissan Altima that doesn't have four-wheel drive. Some random guy just came in and plowed our driveway. What a guy. Love him. And then after he came and plowed, the actual big plows came and like pushed all the snow off the road, like right in front of our driveway. Oh. So I was back in and I had to gun it and I got halfway and my car got like just stuck on the mound of snow. And so it took me like 40 minutes to get it pulled out and all that stuff. I had to have my neighbor come and pull me out. And the one thing gripe about Nissan Altimos, there's nowhere to hook a tow strap. I had to like go under the car and hook it to the frame. It was a big old... It was a huge deal, and I, it stunk because I had to. And my dryer's broken, so what? I had to go. I had to go wash my jeans and my sweatshirt and stuff that got all dirty from all the slush and the mud and stuff. And I couldn't even dry it. I had to go home and dry. It. I had to sit with wet, dirty jeans and a sweatshirt for like two days. That sounds horrible. I know. Wow, it's tough. But we're here and we're ready to go and we're ready to rock. Yes, and I can confirm as well. There is some good in your world because last night you guys won the brawl chip. Yes, and that sir. was fun to watch. Puckies, puckies, dude. From losing in the first round of playoffs <laughs> to getting in the second round off a of technicality to winning against the best team to coming in two out of three. Winning it all, man, it was great. I mean, I'm not good at hockey. You can tell I fell like twice. <laughs> Hurtful. I broke <laughs> my tailbone on one. Um, but hey, we got the Stanley keg. So Yeah, that was kind of cool to watch that. I ended up making my way to the rink late for the championship game last night. And I walked in and it was right before I walked in about probably two minutes before Joe got an assist for throwing one on net. It was deflected, then it was put back. I think you tied it at 2-2 at that mm-hmm. point or 1-1 mm-hmm. or something like that. And then it was probably three minutes later that there was one section where you guys were, you were on the back check, you were on the blue line, and you had then it was pushed forward towards towards mid ice and you had slipped and fell around your butt. Okay. And then the very next play in the very next play going down, you had a shot almost on net that was just barely saved from a goal. And I was like, wow, Joe's that guy. Yeah. I'm okay. So I'm just a glue guy. I'm I'm a vocal (laughs) guy. I chirp. I just get the, I get the boys going. That's my job, but let's get back in the episode. Yeah. Certainly some great things in our world in Ferris athletics, personal life as well. And we have a great interview today with athletic director, Steve Brocklebank. So without further ado, Let's swing it to the interview. Now joining us in studio, the big boss himself, athletic director, Steve Brocklebank is joining us. Welcome to the show. I love big boss. <laughs> I appreciate it. One uh, of the big, big bosses. Yeah, I know. Two, two models. Two models. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brocklebank. Or at my house. When I, the real big boss is at my house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Brocklebank, for coming on and taking time out of your schedule. We really appreciate it. So we'll hop right into it. First question for you. I mean, you graduated from Eastern Michigan. Uh, you're a student athlete there being on the football team. A pretty good one at that, being an all-MAC player, as well as making the all-decade team. I mean, just talk about what that was like in college, being a student athlete. Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, I had a great, great experience at Eastern Michigan. I really did. And, uh, it probably, well, I know it did. It set me on a trajectory to where I am today. Right. So, um, to be honest with you, when I was in high school, I was a very, you know, my sophomore year, I was a pretty average athlete, which I'm still am an average athlete, which is probably why I was an offensive lineman. Right. So, um, but I remember, uh, even in high school, they moved some kids up to the varsity team my sophomore year, and I wasn't one of them brought up, 
right? So I was still still on the JV football team. So if you would have asked me when I was 15 years old, if I thought I would be a college student athlete or two, if I'd have a career in athletics, I probably would have said, no, that's, I don't foresee that in my future. Um, but then, you know, developed my junior, senior year, uh, obviously well enough to go and, and, uh, and play at Eastern Michigan. And so I had a great experience there. Great, uh, really um, struggled early on. Uh, which I always share the story with student athletes often because I know student athletes get very, you know, they get really impatient, right? Mm-hmm. They want to play right away. And, and I, and I tell the story that I played my last high school football game. We lost to grand blank in the playoffs, 21 to 20. I still remember that game. And that was uh, November of 1985. So I'm dating myself here. I graduated from high school in 86, but November of 85. And I didn't play another football game until 88. Wow. So a couple of years there where I just, you know, got kind of beat up on the scout team and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you redshirt year and another year on scout team. And I remember going into camp my uh, my third year and calling my dad. I remember I was in the, I was in the, the hallway of the dorm right during yeah. residence hall. Right? We call them dorms back then um, at a camp. And it was probably like week two. And it didn't look like I was going to play again. And I remember calling him saying, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to continue to do this. Like, do I want to keep playing college football? And, and he said to me, and it was pretty good. And he doesn't really remember saying this to me because I ask him about it all the time. He goes, Hey, it's your story. You do it. You know, we love you. It's your story. Do what you want. You're the one that's got to tell it someday. Mm-hmm. And that kind of resonated with me. Like, well, I don't know if I want to tell people. 20 years from now that I didn't finish this. Right. Even though I didn't play, like, I don't know if I want to be the guy that says, yeah, I did it, but then I quit. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a really great story. So I, I just kind of made a commitment that I'm going to stick with it regardless. And, and then uh, it's like that old saying, you know, if you guys played sports, so, you know, coach always says, always be ready and never know when your opportunity will come. Well, we had a kid get hurt uh, in the first game of the season. And then all of a sudden they moved me to that position and practice. I've played offensive tackle. I was, I was now back then the guys weren't as big, but I was still way too small, right? I was a center primarily and uh, moved over to left tackle because of injury had a great week of practice. And all of a sudden I'm starting. And then from there, I started the next two and a half, three years, right. At left tackle for Eastern Michigan. So, um, but had it not been for that experience and that decision, probably that day in the residence, hallway to continue playing. I don't think I'd be where I am today because that led me, you know, when I finished playing, <clears throat> that led me to coaching and then coaching eventually led me to administration. And so, so here I am today. So it had a profound impact on my, on my life really. And, and the other part too, is I met my wife at Eastern Michigan. Now she wasn't a student there, but she was uh, a friend of my roommates. Mm-hmm. And so I met her one summer when we were home and he introduced me to her. So a couple of good things happened to me. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. 30 years and, and, uh, and probably my career and what I'm doing right now because of my time at Eastern Michigan. Yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. And especially going prior to uh, obviously the whole college decision process, was it always necessarily Eastern Michigan? Were there other schools that were in the process no, or was that the no. school 1A? Let's go for it. No, I actually transferred from Central Michigan. I went to Central for a year. So I had, I had, uh, you know, not, I didn't have a lot of offers, but I had a few offers and, and, uh, um, first thought, well, I'm going to go to central, went there, um, didn't have a great experience and, and decided to transfer to Eastern and, and, uh, and had a, had an awesome experience. So no, I, you know, it was tough. And, uh, I remember one day just sitting around a kitchen table, telling my parents I'm done with it. Like I want to make this decision and canceled the, vi- I had a visit out to air force that I canceled, which looking back on it probably wasn't smart. Right. You know, if you have a chance to go <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah, sure. take that visit, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. My parents were first generation. I was a, I'm a first generation uh, student, right. And my whole family. So I, my parents have done remarkably well, actually, uh, through just hard work and effort and they own a business. And, and so they've done well. Um, but they do, they didn't really understand college, right? Universities. And, and I didn't, and I'm, I say the first one in my family, I mean, the first one in my extended family too, nobody went to college. So I don't think there was a lot of understanding of the differences between universities, right? Between one or another. And so hence I canceled some visits at some places that probably academically now as a father, I would say to my son or daughter, like, well, we're going on that visit, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but didn't, didn't really understand all that. And I remember taking a couple of visits, a couple of funny things. One time we were at a, at a visit and they said, you're going to meet. Cause I thought I was going to be a business major. And I still, I, I do, I do like business. And they said, uh, you're going to meet with the Dean of the business school. And I remember my dad saying, I thought you only met with a Dean when you're in trouble. 
you know, like that's <laughs> we didn't know, right? Yeah. And another time the provost came and spoke with us. I remember my dad said, well, what, what is, what is a provost, you know? <laughs> and I still think a lot of students probably don't even know what a provost is if you were going around campus and ask them. So sure. just a lot of things that were new and foreign to us as a family um, that we had to, you know, we had to learn. And, and, uh, and, and the great thing, I think, you know, we have a lot of first gen college students. Um, I think it really changes the trajectory of, of future generations. Cause now I think about it, like I have three daughters, two graduated uh, from Miami, one has her doctorate and, and another one has a master's. And now my youngest daughter's here at Ferris. Right. And so now the expectation has been set that you're going to get a, a higher head degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and not that they couldn't have done anything else if they had a passion for it. Cause there's a lot of skills and trades that you can go into too. You don't necessarily have to go to college, but you know, this was something that I think my college education then preempted the fact that it just became like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is pretty fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. That's really cool to hear about. And especially, I mean, that journey from graduating from Eastern now to being at Ferris State, you've had so many stops along the way. I mean, uh, associate athletic director, I'm, uh, U Miami, I mean, or Miami of Ohio. I mean, coaching staff for Grand Valley State winning two national championships there. I mean, talk about, I mean, how extensive that journey has been to be able to lead you now to being a bulldog. Well, I don't know. My kids, my kids weren't always happy with every step of the journey because with every step of the journey came some moves and some packing. And, and uh, I have a very patient and forgiving wife, thank goodness, because, you know, a lot of times you leave and then you leave everybody behind and say, hey, I got to go. We'll catch you in like six months after you get the house sold and mm-hmm. everything else that goes with it. So um, college athletics is truly a lifestyle. It's not a it's not a career by, by any means. Right. So um, but no, every step was, you know, I, I got my first opportunity. Uh, at Wayne State, my offensive line coach at Eastern Michigan, his name was Dick Comeyer, and and coach called me one day and and said, hey, you know, because he knew I wanted to get back into college athletics. I was coaching at Kenwell Hills High School in Grand Rapids. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. JV football coach. And so uh, he said, you know, I know you want to get back in there. There's an opening at Wayne State, offensive line coach. Would you be interested in doing it? And so that's that's how I got my first job. And and did that and then went on to, to Hillsdale, which was good. And then went back to high school and became a head high school coach and then had an opportunity to go to Grand Valley. And that, that was, that was a lot of fun. I, I know that, you know, um, you know, anytime you win is fun, right? Mm-hmm. right? We've, we've experienced it here. Like last, you know, when you win is fun. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, that, that was enjoyable. And then uh, had an opportunity to get down to Miami. They, they were come, Miami was coming off an 0-12 football season and, and the athletic director um, not only was making a coaching change, but, really wanted to commit somebody administratively to overseeing football because Miami has a pretty fantastic tradition in football mm-hmm. and, and to come off an 0 12 season, quite frankly, was not acceptable uh, by, well, it's not acceptable by most people's standards, but certainly by theirs at that time. And so they wanted somebody to oversee football. And that's how I got in there uh, was to, you know, specifically oversee football. And then that grew in a bunch of other responsibilities. And then I decided some point you got to be an AD in college, right? So uh, there was a job open at Muskingum University, which is a Division three school in the Ohio Athletic Conference, and that conference is schools like John Carroll and Mount Union and Baldwin Wallace, pretty good Ohio Northern, pretty good, really good uh, competitive school in Division three level mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of sports, but particularly football. And the president there was she's from Grand Rapids. She's a she's a Calvin grad from Grand Rapids, and so we just kind of connected. And she wanted to do a lot of things with athletics because athletics had kind of been neglected there to a degree. Um, and so we did. And so got that job and was there three years. And that, that obviously led to, to this job. But I think having experience as an AD helped, right? Cause then yeah. you can add that to your resume. Like, you know, cause it was, when you haven't done something before, like I noticed this when I interview coaches, when I interview coaches who have not been head coaches, they always talk about what they would do or what they might do. And when you interview head coaches who have already been head coaches in the interview, they talk, they, they talk from experience, right? The answers are different. And mm-hmm. it's not the fault of the assistant coach who's never been a head coach. They just have never done it. So it's always like, well, this is what I would do, or this is what I probably would do, or this is, you know, whereas the head coach is like, well, let me tell you about the situation. Here's what I did. Here were the results. Here's what I could have done differently. Like the answers are just different, right? Yeah. And so I, I knew that. And I said, well, I need, to, I need to build an answer like that, right? So I need to actually be an AD at the college level, I'd done it at the high school level, but I actually need to do it at the college level so I can provide the kind of answers that I like to hear when I interview for the AD jobs I would like to get. And, and so when the Ferris job opened, I was, I was thrilled and I was super excited, right? My wife's a Ferris grad. Um, it's, it's close to family. 
Um, it just, and, and I, my grandma lived here in Big Rapids. I used to go to hockey camp here every summer oh, as a kid. Wow. Yeah. You know, so she, she grew up here. My dad graduated from Big Rapids high school. He's hanging, his picture's hanging up in Zod. So you can see it there, class of 58, right? These pictures up there. So, um, so I, you know, I've been around Big Rapids, went to hockey camp here. My wife's a graduate of Ferris, crazy close to family and friends. So, um, I'm like, yeah, this is, and it's division two scholarship athletics, right? Which I knew I wanted to get back to the scholarship level of mm -hmm. athletics. Absolutely. And uh, that appointment in October of 2021, when you got that phone call, what was that phone call like? And ever since, I mean, a lot of memories already made and uh, certainly an experience you will certainly remember forever. Yeah. So I, I got to tell you the whole, the whole thing was kind of crazy. So here's, here's, here's the deal with this. So we were down in, in, in Cambridge, Ohio, or not Cambridge, Ohio, New Concord, Ohio, which is right next door to Cambridge, New Concord, Ohio, which is where the university is at. My, my home address was Cambridge. And um, so that summer, that December 30th, before I got hired here at Ferris, my daughter, my oldest daughter, had, had our first granddaughter. Okay? Now, they live in Ludington, right? so not very far from here, an hour and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so my wife was like, oh, I'm going to miss out on you know, being a grandma because we're, you know, it took us essentially about seven and a half, eight hours to get to Ludington. It's down, <clears throat> Muskegon University is in Southeast Ohio. So it's, it's quite a drive. And uh, I said, well, hey, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, I'll tell you what, let's, let's, uh, let's buy a little home in Ludington. So we bought just a tiny little two bedroom, one bath kind of place, like five blocks from the beach and a couple blocks from downtown, which is a cool location anyway. And, um, and then we had a really big house in New Concord, too big a house to be honest with you. And so we made a decision that we knew we wanted to get back to Michigan at some point when the opportunity arose. So in June, we sold the house, right? Now I had no place to live. So my wife was in Michigan at the new little place and she was going to stay there just for the summer and try to, but she goes, in the meantime, I moved into this apartment complex and it was Kind of rough. In fact, the lady that lived there before me, I was getting mail for. So we used to call it Bambi's place. Bambi lived there before I lived there. Oh, boy. And uh, one day I pulled into the apartment and there was a yellow sheet of paper hanging on the door. Well, it was the sheriff's department looking for Bambi. So I, I obviously called him and said, hey, Bambi's no longer a resident here. I, I currently live in what was Bambi's place. So when I got the call, going back to your question about the call, I was sitting I was sitting in Bambi's place thinking, oh, thank goodness, you know, <laughs> I can finally I can get finally out of this place. Yeah. Place. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, get back, get, get back to Michigan. But no, the job made sense for a ton of, ton of reasons. And I just have so much respect for Ferris, uh, both academically and athletically. I, I, we just have such a unique niche here academically. And we have so many kind of you know, cool, unique programs. Um, and, and athletically, obviously I, I, I've known Ferris. I mean, I spent 10 years coaching in the GLIAC. Um, and I recognize Ferris for how, how good they have been and, and continue to be. And, and I was well, I was well aware of, of their athletic success. And I also wanted to get back to, um, hockey. That was another one for me too. I really loved the sport of hockey. And so uh, I oversaw when I was at Miami, I oversaw football, hockey, and women's basketball. Those were my three sport responsibilities. So, uh, having the opportunity to get back to hockey was also, also very exciting. So just no, I was thrilled when I got the call. Um, and, um, didn't take long for us to talk it over. You know, it was a quick family conversation, you know, didn't, so everybody was, was very excited. Very cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool to hear, especially getting out of Bambi's places. Yeah. Pretty clutch thing for sure. Yeah, but yeah, you mentioned before, like the hiring process and stuff like that for you hiring these coaches, like, what is that like? Kind of like from start to finish, can you walk us through that process? Just uh, what you do on that level? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably, I would say the most important thing that we do uh, as athletic directors is, is hire coaches because they're the ones that are going to have that daily, uh, uh, connection and engagement with our student athletes, right? So really important. And, and so often you're judged as an athletic director based on, on, you know, how your teams do, right? So that, that's important. Um, but I guess, you know, to start the process, it's, uh, they're always a little bit different. Each search is a little bit different. Uh, I've only had to do one since I've been here and that's softball since I've, I've been in this role. Um, but, you know, typically it starts with, I think first speaking with the student athletes of the team and, and sitting down with them and saying, what is it that you're looking for? What qualities in a coach are, are really important to you? And, and, uh, 
and taking note of those things and making sure that you include those, those qualities in your search, right. As you look at candidates, then the other step is just reaching out to people that, you know, and trying to find out through some candidates out there that you need to reach out to. Right. Um, and, and trying to find those people because not everybody's going to necessarily apply for your position. Right. Sometimes you have to do, you have to seek them out and you have to recruit them. For sure. Yeah. And so that's, that's a part of it. And then, you know, getting your committee of people together, because it's going to start with a, with a committee of folks that are going to be involved in, in the hiring process and, and making sure that you share the qualities of the student athletes have shared with the committee, what's important to you as the athletic director with the committee. And then uh, just starting to sort through and do your due diligence with the candidates that, that apply, apply for the position. And um, it, it, you have to take your time. Uh, but you also, in some cases, you can't move too slow, but depending on the, where you're at in the hiring cycle, right? Because you could lose candidates, right? So you, you got to move at a, at a fairly decent speed, but you want to make sure you do all your, your due diligence to try to figure out who that person should be. So in the case of softball, it was Coach Schumann. That was I mean, we were just fortunate, right, to get him. I mean, he's a guy with extensive Division One experience and successful Division One experience, both as a head coach and an assistant. And then, you know, his wife, Sharon, who works with pitchers, and she volunteers, and she's a pitching coach and has been. So uh, they, they came back to the area. So that, that, that one was – we were fortunate to, to make that one work as well as it did. And I know he's, he's only had two weekends under his belt, but I, I think the future's bright and – and from all accounts, talking to our softball women, they seem you know, really happy and pleased with, with who's leading that program. Absolutely. And I know like, especially in our class in Sportscom, there's many people um, that aspire to be in your shoes as an athletic director at a high level school. What would you tell some of those perspiring students of what are some of those things that they need in order to get to the position or a position of similar matter that you are at today? Well, don't, don't be scared. Do the grunt work you know, get, get your hands dirty, no jobs below anybody, including myself. Right. And we all have to be willing to do it. But I think particularly you want to, you want to stand out from the others. And one of the ways you stand out from the others is you just work harder than everybody. People go, Oh my goodness, that, that person works like he or she really works and they never say no to stuff and they're always around. And, and so I think that's, that's one of the ways that you do it. And I think take whatever experience that you can get, you can get right. So sometimes it's paid, sometimes it's unpaid. Sometimes it's a graduate assistantship. Sometimes it's an internship, but at the end of the day, you need to get experience. And it is, it is a little bit like coaching administration. It's relational. So the more people, you know, the better opportunity you have to get a job someday. Right. So if you only know everybody from Ferris, right. Um, well, that's great, but then you're waiting for the one job at Ferris to open up, or you're going to have to convince somebody at another school who doesn't know you that they should hire you, right? So you don't necessarily want that either. Um, so the more people you get to know along this journey, <clears throat> the more opportunity you're going to have to to actually get a job, right? So, but I think will, willingness to do anything. The other part is willingness to kind of re relocate, move, you know, because sometimes the jobs aren't always going to be in the state of Michigan. Right. So mm -hmm. I, sometimes you have to move around. I just ran into a guy at Grand Valley, David Lewis, who's now got hired in uh, overseeing their game operations. Well, David was with us at Miami. He was a student uh, intern there and everybody loved him. Everybody's like, man, this guy works. And, and then um, he was there. Then we, then he ended up taking a GA ship, I think maybe at Nebraska. No, he went to Oklahoma, went to Oklahoma, uh, took a GA ship there. And now, and now he got hired at Grand Valley. Right. So he, but he had to, you know, he's from Michigan. He's from the Elma, I think the Elma area. So, but he had to, you know, he had to go down to Miami, work there for peanuts. And, you know, then he went to Oklahoma and I think it was a GA in game ops and did that. And now he's got his job at Grand Valley, right? So um, that's just one example of, of the things that I think you need to do. But he was always crazy friendly, um, always personable, never said no. Like, hey, David, we need help. Oh, I gotcha. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. And um, so people remembered him because. He was always working hard and had a smile on his face. And so, and there's, there's lots of examples of that. I just think of that. Cause I just saw him Saturday. He just started at Grand Valley like a week ago. And I ran him when I went down to watch our basketball team play. So all of a sudden there he was standing there. I didn't know he got hired there and there he was. So, but that's, that's, that's an example. So yeah. Willingness to move around, willingness to do the dirty work, willingness to never say no. And just, you gotta be a hard worker. People, people recognize hard work. 
Absolutely. And especially, I mean, hard work leads to championships and Ferris has been no stranger to championships so far, and especially for you being part of many championship programs already. I mean, what's been some of your favorite memories uh, being a part of teams and programs that have made it so far uh, in their seasons? Well, I think just the people and the commitment to excellence and, and the fact that, that winning takes a lot of people on the same page, right? Um, it's, it's, there's no question that it's student athlete and coach driven. There's no one's, no one's, but to really win at a high level, it, it really takes everybody pulling the same direction. Um, and that's the thing I admire most about the programs I've been a part of that have won. When you look through the program, and I mean, when you look at the president, when you look at the upper administration, when you look at the athletic director, when you looked at, you look at all the associate ADs and assistant ADs, and everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Like they're all on the same page. Everybody's pulling the same direction. And it helps set that coach and that program up for success. And then the coach and, and the student athletes have to have to take that setup that you've provided and make it happen. And in that case, you know, they have a lot of places I've been, but that's what I admire most is just that everybody's aligned and, and you can see that alignment. And when they're aligned, then you start to win. Right. So um, that, that to me has been the best part when you get a chance to, you know, a lot of times the fans don't get to see that, right. They just see the coach and the student athletes, which is great. That's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's fine. That's, that's all we allow them to really see, right. They're not in a position to see anything else, but when you get a chance to get inside the workings of an organization and you see all those other things that go into it, that help these coaches and teams, we set them up and position them for winning. It's fun to see all that, right. And know what's going on. And a lot of times things will never, ever be talked about. Um, people don't know all the things that happen from a compliance standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, right? Think about conversations that you've had with the president to retain an assistant coach or, you know, things like that, that people don't, they're not a part of that, but you, the president and the CFO are talking about, okay, how do we retain this assistant coach who's got another opportunity to leave? And then you find a way to retain them. Well, that contributes to that team winning, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, you think about Sarah Higley and all the fantastic work she does in compliance, right? Finding ways to keep student athletes or get them an additional year of eligibility because, you know, they, you know we send in a waiver. There's, we had an opportunity and we get that student athlete back for a year. Nobody knows that. They just see he's back on the roster and playing, right? But that particular student athlete really helps you win, win some games, right? So it's all those things that happen, I think, in the background that for me, I, I, I enjoy seeing all that happen and being a part of all that. Absolutely. Well, it's been appreciated um, to have you on, Mr. Brocklebank. One last question for you. I'd like to ask everyone on the show, what's been your favorite thing about being here at Fair State and being a Bulldog? Oh, gosh. The people. Like, I just love coming to work. I really do. Like, we have awesome people in the athletic department. Um, and I mean, not only administratively, but our head coaches, our assistant coaches, um, you guys, you know, seeing you guys. It's really, it really is like, I don't, there's not a person, I don't walk in and go, uh, I don't want to see this person today. You know, like I don't have that feeling. And, and I think at some places you do, you're like, uh, I like 90% of the people I work with. There's these couple, I just don't really want to deal with. I don't, I don't have that at Ferris. So it's, it's, it's really good. And I think we have this down to earth blue collar mentality. Um, there's no Eagles walking around the building. Uh, there's nobody that thinks they're better than, than others. I think everybody's just willing to help each other and work and, there's a great synergy uh, in the athletic department and a great sense of collaboration and cooperation. And so that's, that's what I enjoy, right. Is, is all that. And, and I, I got a lot of pride in being a bulldog. I think it's awesome, right? I think we do a lot of really good things, a lot of really good things. And I think we're going to continue to do that. Absolutely. Coach, thank you so much. Coach <laughs> Brockbank, thank yeah. you so much yeah, for coming on the show. I mean, you basically are a coach at this point, but thank yeah. you so much. We appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. You bet. All right. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Big thanks, Mr. Brocklebank, for stopping by the show. That was certainly a big one that we've had circled on our calendars for a while, Joe, and I thought I lived absolutely up to it. Love Brocklebank, man. He's such a great guy, especially being around him in uh, in games and stuff like that. He's just a genuine guy all around. And uh, what you see is what you get from him. And uh, you really can't ask for a better AD uh, for, our, for our school. And it's really cool to hear his story from how he's able to get here as well. So we're going to hop right into the Fair State Sports Rundown now, or not rundown report, I guess, since it's, uh, since it's Tuesday. Uh, not a lot of dubs this weekend, Brand. Not going to lie. Yeah, it was a tough, tough weekend. Yeah, it was a tough weekend all the way around. Uh, certainly a lot of good things to still celebrate. Um, I mean, because the fact of it is um, a lot of the 
L's that we took still gave some really nice celebratory milestones still. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at what basketball, unfortunately lost to Grand Valley. We'll break that down here in a minute, but they're still second overall in the GLIAC, right? That's still something that's a lot of other schools can't say they've been a top two seed for the last four or five years or how many years it's been now. Um, so certainly that you can celebrate the seniors, obviously for hockey, wasn't the ideal outcome um, that they wanted this weekend, but Hey, we still got to celebrate the seniors and that's certainly important for all the hard work that they've done really turning this program around. Cause even though you look at the record, um, I mean, and especially with the last couple of games, you can tell if you go back that far that this team was a lot better than the record showed as well. And we said that about last year's team too, and it's continuing to get better. And then it will one year get put all together. And we can't wait to see that as well as in GLIAC indoors. Well, I mean, we not necessarily won any of the team titles, but there was a lot of individual phenomenal performances that'll be worth mentioning. We'll break that down all and more. We'll start on the ice though, um, with senior day weekend against Lake state. Um, a lot of certainly mixed emotions. I'm sure from the guys over the weekend, it was a tough. And I know, especially on Friday, the overtime game, I was able to watch um, and be a part of that. Certainly was just a really tough game. Um, Very gritty game. A lot of, a lot of momentum swings um, that I'm sure um, really kind of moved the game a little bit. You'll hear that from coach Daniels here in just a minute out of his thoughts of the game. Uh, But I thought when you looked at a lot of these games that they've played, there's been quite a few games over the last, especially the last month, when you look back on uh, the Bemidji State second game, uh, some of the Northern games where there was just a perfect capitalize, capitalization uh, by the other teams. Is that the right word? I am educated, but I'm asking you for <laughs> forgiveness if I mess I that up. Uh, I think so. They cap- The other team capitalized on a momentum swing that they needed to, and that was true for Grand Valley's women's basketball, men's basketball, and especially from Lake State early on in that Friday game. They got a couple of those major penalties. They were able to score on the power play, get some momentum. We were able to chip yeah. it back, but then by the end of the day, we had to pull all the way back instead of pull ahead with when we scored those goals. I don't understand how, especially in the Friday game, how you can call two major penalties after not calling them minors at the start. I, I don't understand that. Like when you have, so like, I forget who it was that got the major penalties. I'm going to look at the box score real quick, but like you look it up and you see that both of those times that it was a major penalty, they let the game play on for like five minutes. And then at the break, they were like, the previous play is under review or whatever. That's about it. Yeah. Dallas Tulix, uh, major contact to the head was not even called at the start. It wasn't, it was just let to play on. And the guy was like down a little bit, but in the replay, I don't really think it was contact to the head, especially seen in person. And then Matt slick in the third period, got the same thing, contact to the head. It was another two, three minutes of play before they even called it. And they're not even going to call it a minor first. That makes, I've never seen. And Daniels was saying that in the post game, he was saying, I've never seen that either. So like, I don't know if it was just a happenstance wild thing that this just happens twice in a game when it's never happened before, or if this coaching or this ref uh, refing team or refing staff or whatever just sucks at their job because they let the game get out of hand quickly on Saturday as well. When it got real messy, really fast in the second, the second period, it was just really sloppy hockey. And I don't think the refs really had a good control on the weekend at all. Yeah. That's what I heard from Saturday's game as well. And I think the most frustrating thing off that point you just made, Joe, I think you're absolutely right of, I think a lot of people are frustrated and it's not necessarily at just the officiating, right? It's not necessarily at the officials themselves. It was the confusion and just the misalignment that we had seen from games prior, you know, because like you're right with those penalties are called sometimes roughing up into upstairs, obviously a little going, chin. Yeah. A little chin music. You're getting it called. Right. For, yeah. The head to head contact. Well, not head to head contact. This isn't football, but head contact is going to be called. That's a penalty nine times out of 10. But that jump that you were just mentioning was the confusing part of why this went from a no call to an immediate review to a five minute major. And then obviously they scored on that very first power play that got their momentum going. It was just very confusing. Like we're still trying to catch up and figure those out. Not saying that was any, stretch of the means that was what really cost us the game because we showed right back that we had battled back and forced overtime and then just one literal blown skate was the reason we lost that game because obviously if Dealster would have stayed on his feet I would argue that we would have won that game for the offensive chances we had in overtime uh, but certainly Lake State came out ready to play and I mean they carried that over into Saturday um, despite we had a lot of the momentum especially on the offensive end for a while um, they it really just kind of showed later on that uh, we threw a lot of chances at their way we just 
just didn't get some puck luck and they certainly did. And that kind of just hurt us a little bit by the end of the day. But uh, I think you still saw a pretty solid performance overall. I mean, obviously you're going to look at the score sheet and you're going to see the score line and you're gonna be like, man, the team played really bad, but I thought there was still some good things. I thought Saturday's game uh, was very, very sloppy from what I saw parts of it compared to Friday's game. And it was kind of a gross game to be played all the way around, which I think played it in Lake state's favor, to be honest, because um, the way that we were playing early on, it looked like we were going to be in good shape um, for the way that we were coming out in that first period. But uh, I think you still, I think you still have the way that that really kind of that second period dried it out. I think that just really played in the Lake State's favor. We got a little bit uh, a little bit tired, and I think they did too. Um, but I think that they were just able to find that one sweet spot, and then obviously the empty netter to close it out got them the two wins. But I think it was still overall. I think we still had a lot to celebrate. Obviously at the Senior Day, not the games that we would have wanted to cover for Senior Day uh, and Senior Weekend, but um, it was just certainly uh, well. You tip your hat to Lake State because they took the way that that game was played and they capitalized on it, right? So uh, they ended up getting the momentum at the end of the day. They're going to need all the help they can get against Minnesota State. Um, and we fell, unfortunately, to the sixth seed. But we are going back to a rink that we won at not too Swept, long ago. Yeah. So that's not too bad of a situation. <laughs> but uh, when you certainly look back at that game, still some positives that you can bring out. And that's what Bob Daniels had to say in the post game. Oh, it was a story uh, of, you know, pretty good game by us. I, I actually thought I thought we played pretty well. We got two five-minute major calls. Uh, you know, I I got to watch the second one on tape. I mean, the first one, it was a good hit. It just, uh, in the neutral zone, uh, truly kept his arm down. But, you know, nowadays, the guy was leaning forward. He did catch him in the head. Um, but it wasn't, you know, one of those things where I uh, targeted or anything like that. It was just happenstance. The other one, I, I was surprised by that. You know, that's the second uh, one. They, they didn't call anything on the ice in the review. And, like, I, I can't believe an arm didn't go up. And yet it's a major twice. Uh, I don't know how, how that happens. Um, but we, nevertheless, it was a great kill. Great. Like, we did a super job on, uh, on killing the five on three because we got a penalty within that. That was not a good penalty we took there. But we, we got through it, scored the goal because we got some momentum. Um, and over time, um, you know, our, our guy blew his wheel. You know, 13 just fell and you know, what are you going to do? Uh, Mary had a really good opportunity just before that uh, in, in front of the net all alone. But all in all, you know, guys played hard. I, I thought, you know, we carried the play for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think you you heard it, especially from Coach Daniels. Uh, there was still some good things. I thought the five on three, as you just mentioned, that really sparked my attention of how we were really attacking those majors because mm-hmm. all the momentum was in their favor. And especially mentally coming off of that, how are you going to respond, right? It's that three-minute rule that a lot of coaches teach of really how do you respond the three minutes after that inclement event happens. And I thought they did a really good job of that, um, especially as the game moved on. Uh, and then Saturday, of course, obviously, um, there was a lot of just – overall that sloppiness of the game. I thought we fought really hard, uh, but they were able to get that leading goal in the third and then they were able to close it. And that's just unfortunately how sports goes sometimes. Yeah, that's a tough part. And I mean, the CCHA as well was just rocking all the way through My from Friday, Saturday. Uh, scores from around the league. Bowling Green fell to Northern Michigan on day one, four to two, and then fell again, four to two, same score on Saturday. Michigan Tech and Minnesota State. That one was a crazy series. I watched day two. I watched Saturday game. That one was wild Electric. from start to finish. I was watching near the end of the second period and then into the third. Michigan Tech was up two to one. Minnesota State then scored two in like five minutes or something. And then with like 40 seconds left or something like that, uh, Michigan or Michigan Tech like tied or tied it up. Got, goal got called back. Then they go uh, pull the goalie. They score again. Minnesota State scores with like not a lot of time left. And then Minnesota State's McNaughton Cup champions for the sixth year in a row, which is absolutely wild. They set an NCAA record with that one, uh, but they split throughout the weekend. But it doesn't matter because Minnesota State uh, won the whole thing at overall. And the Bemidji State split with St. Thomas over the weekend. St. Thomas won three to one on Friday, and Bemidji State won seven to two on Saturday. It's going to kind of switch up the standings a little bit. Not too much movement. Northern Michigan was able to secure home ice advantage over Bemidji State there. So they're going to be hosting that. And then the what the 
playoffs look like right now for the CCHA and for the Mason Cup. Minnesota State's going to be taking on Lake Superior State in Mankato. Northern's going to be taking on Bemidji up in Marquette. Bowling Green is going to be hosting us down in Ohio. And then Michigan Tech is going to be taking on St. Thomas in Houghton. Yeah, so that's going to be very interesting, especially as two weeks ago we were talking about um, the potentially um, there was a chance that we were up in the three spot and then Bemidji could have fell to the six spot. And there would have been a, a an instance where Northern Michigan would have been potentially the six. Northern seed. Michigan just got hot right at the right time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we went cold at the wrong time. And yeah. I think that's really all we, you can say about yeah, we that. We ended end of the season with what, five losses straight, which is not good. Yeah. And I mean, especially when I know a couple of people were talking to me about like how the team is like uh, disintegrated and blown up. I was like, they didn't do that. They just hit a cold spell at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, because we were, yeah, we I mean, it happens to say hit a cold spell when they, when we swept them, they lost the next game and then they lost three in a row and then they were just able to turn around. It's just, I mean, if we had our spot right now where we let, where we won four or we won like six out of like eight games or something like that in the middle of the season, like right now. No doubt we'd be number four and yeah. we'd be hosting. Yeah, and I think like it's every team has a cold spell in this season. We were hot really in the middle, especially that second half after getting that Mankato series, and then especially Bowling Green going into Bemidji, we were red hot. Uh, and then obviously just cooled off at the end of it. That's what happens with a lot of these teams. You saw, as you just mentioned, Joe, Minnesota State was in that same boat. Michigan Tech was really kind of sloppy at the beginning of the season, and now they were number two seed. So you have all these situations, and obviously, um, I honestly, especially when you look at the matchups, I know we would love um, well, we would have loved home ice, but I mean, if, if I wanted a preference of Bemidji and Bowling Green, honestly, I'm taking Bowling Green. I would go at back at Bowling Green. Cause I thought we played really well in that rink. And I think that's what this, com- <laughs> that, that what this kind of confidence that team needs, uh, going to a place that they have won. Obviously the Falcons are gonna be hungry. We know that, but yeah. we know we can win in that rink. And I think overall as an away team, uh, I mean, you really throw out that Marquette series against Northern. We were a very, very good road team this year. We won two at Mankato. Uh, we put up a really good fight. Um, I think, at a, I mean, especially all over the place when we traveled to some of those other tough places to play. Bemidji, we had a tough split. Obviously, Bowling Green was very successful. Um, so we're getting back into the momentum swing. So it's going to be a crazy tournament that'll start this weekend. We'll be traveling to Bowling Green. Uh, certainly going to be fun. Harrison Watt, Brody Kaiser will be on the call there from Ohio um, to bring you all the action for hockey going down the stretch. Should be fun. Yeah. That one's going to be really cool and very interesting to see uh, how that season plays out. March 18th, we're going to have a new winner of the of the Mason Cup, which is going to be really cool. We're going to now swing over to the Hardwood, Brandon. Uh, men's basketball took on Davenport. Well, men's basketball and women's basketball took on Davenport and Grand Valley to close out the season. Uh, start with Davenport for the men's 97-75 victory. This was a really solid game. Yeah, I thought they played very well, and I think the shooting was definitely on display. That first half, I believe, shot 60%. Uh, and that's what this team really thrives in is when you're able to shoot the rock at will. And I think you saw that um, for Downport. I mean, it was definitely uh, really just a, a phenomenal game all the way around. Once again, Solomon Ragbu, absolute monster, 32 points following up. I believe it's 35 piece from Lake State. Um, so, yeah, that's 67 points in two games, ladies and gentlemen. That is some high-quality numberage right there. Uh, ben Davidson also, I thought, overall, this whole weekend played very well. He shot the basketball very efficiently. Um, and you got to see the sparks from a lot of these other guys, too. I thought um, you saw some really good performance. Alapo, 9-7. and seven, I thought his role was really crucial. Michael as well. I mean, beating Davenport on the boards and especially inside, I thought Vayas had a really good game as well. Um, you saw that really kind of bother Davenport when they were able to get in the paint really create that uh, ability to score inside and then able to get that outside shooting the basketball very well. I thought really was exactly what you want going into a game plan um, of that proportion on the road, really establish your real momentum and your physicality inside and then Mm -hmm. use your, use that to build off to your strength of shooting the basketball. I thought they did that to an absolute T and that's why you saw a double digit lead after the first half and we were able to carry it over and get a win um, against a good downport team. Obviously wish we would have got out to that hot of a start against grand Valley uh, kind of transitioning into Saturday's game, but I thought it was just really a tough, hard fought game. You look at the stat sheet, it was certainly a game that you knew was going to come down to the wire, but uh, I thought overall our guys played really well. I mean, obviously that slow start was really kind of what killed us. Honestly, you take away that 15, nothing start that Grand Valley had at the start of the game and 
we're in a potential position that we're up by five going down the final stretch. Obviously, I'm a big believer that those circumstances you can't necessarily just completely tee up because um, obviously every every moment makes a new decision in that moment of mine. Um, so that makes it a different uh, outcome at the end of the day. But I thought you saw Ethan Erickson really provided a big spark. He had 23 points off the bench to lead us. Show. Good to see him shooting the basketball back at a high level. Um, but I think overall, I mean, Grand Valley shot the ball better than they have all season long. And I think that's what really kind of got them the win in this game. Um, but I thought really when you looked at it, I know we talked about this, especially over the last two weeks, um, is Grand Valley is a team that we kind of slept on at the beginning of the season, but we said, hold on, they've been winning the last couple of games. And just like some of these other teams, as we were mentioning in hockey, they finished on the right foot at the right time going into this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to say that before, uh, before you brought that up, I was getting like Grand Valley has been a team that, you know, right at the start of the year, when we, when they came to our place for the first game, we, we put like a 30 piece on them or something like that. Like that was just something that I wasn't really expecting from them, but for them to be able to come back, I think they were at one point like eighth or seventh, right? And or something like to that, be able yeah. to push it all the way up to five and uh, have a possibility or now being able to host. I mean, that was just a testament to a team that unfortunately is just a perennially very solid team. Now, especially with how the GLIAC is kind of setting up right now, Parkside won the regular season championship. So congrats to them. Wish we could have been able to get that share as same that we did last year. But I think now that you go into uh, playoffs now, especially GLIAC playoffs, we're in a good spot because one, we're coming off a loss against a rival due to the fire. Yeah. Two, we got a lot of guys back. I mean, Brandon Clarebout, Nathan Clarebout, they're two guys who don't have a lot of experience, but they're two guys who are able to provide rest and be able to really play in a role that's going to be able to give us some really solid uh, efforts into this upcoming uh, weekend. You got Reese Hazleton, who's been playing pretty solid over the past couple of weeks. Amari Lee's going to be able to switch it out with J Jimmy Shoulder. It's going to be a very, very interesting way of how these guys are going to be able to kind of come back after this weekend of getting the split. I mean... If we're able to win this, we still have a chance to host the rest of the playoffs. It's just if Wisconsin Parkside plays really well, we'll see. But I think we're going to be doing pretty solid uh, throughout this GLIAC tournament because, I mean, who do we play first? I think it's... Uh, we'll be playing Purdue first. Purdue first. And I'm glad you mentioned that because Parkside, at first, when you looked at the tables, obviously now there's uh, a head-to-head -head con uh, consideration at the bottom for eight, which gave Michigan Tech a bid into the tournament. So really? they're now making it in over Wayne State, it appears. So they're going to be the eight seed. And I'll tell you what, if there's a team out there that's going to be the eight seed that you might be scared of, I think it's, it's the Huskies. Yeah, Michigan Tech. I mean, compared to last year, they're not. Oh, no, no. Yeah, not, not even close. Not even close. But. But they're still a team who has some returners, and they also kind of gave us a little bit of a scare. They beat us up to, up north. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going to be traveling. They won't be hosting, but. If Parkside doesn't play well, and if they get off to a slow start and the Huskies are kind of just staying consistent throughout, I could see an upset and maybe everybody's going to have to come to Jim Week Arena uh, at the end of this next week. Yeah, it could be interesting. This was a team that was at the top of the tables only two years ago. So certainly can bring um, some big noise in this tournament, which I know the team's going to be very excited about uh, avenging this weekend's losses. And I know obviously opportunity um, and availability um, for a lot of these championship crowns and awards um, is certainly up for grabs and obviously didn't get the one this weekend. Um, but as Coach Bronkma put it in the post game, they're ready to get another chance coming up here this for this GLIAC tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, when you look at, uh, especially after the Grand Valley game, his uh, outlook on the loss was pretty um, refreshing to know because like Grand Valley, especially when you go into a place like that, it was a packed house. I mean, we were watching it. Uh, me and Brody were watching it uh, on this computer right before the game started on Saturday. Like that was a atmosphere that was very tough to be able to go into and to be able to like, come back from a 15-0 start, like that's going to be tough. And I mean, we've played really solid throughout the rest of the game. It's just when you have a team who's got a loyal fan base and a fan base who's loud and is, is with it in the game all the way, if you get down, I mean, it's tough to come back. But we showed great resiliency after that 15-0 start. It's just once that happened, it was a, too big of a hole to dig out. Ready for the next stage. So, you know, if something is available, we want to try to get it, you know. Uh, share of the title was available today. We, we, we gave it what we had. Wasn't enough. And that, that stings. And, uh, but half the teams lose every day, Robert. We say that, you know. So if you don't, if you don't like putting yourself out there, um, 
then don't play sports. And, you know, we're not afraid to lose. I think that's one of our big strengths is we put, we put it out there and, you know, the scoreboard is the scoreboard at the end. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll make a run in this tournament the best we can and, uh, you know, bounce back. There you go. Battle-tested, battle-ready for the tournament coming up. First round Wednesday at home against Purdue Northwest, 7 p.m. Tip-off from Wink Arena. Be there, be square. It's going to be a fantastic matchup against the Pride once again, and we'll see where the rest of the tournament shakes out from there. So Absolutely. Should be fun. Transitioning over now to the women, also a split this weekend. Win against Davenport, uh, lost to nationally ranked Grand Valley. Um, I thought this team, I think, really showed uh, some good things in this game. Obviously, when you're taking on a top-tier team like the Lakers, um, I I think you you definitely, especially on the road, we know that's a tough task. I mean, it's a team that's won 26 out of 28 games this year, and I think that shows as good as they are already. Um, but playing in that environment is definitely tough. We've had success there in years past, which gave us a lot of optimism. Um, not necessarily saying that they underperformed firsthand, uh, but I think when you looked at how this team played, um, there's just a lot of struggles in this game overall that uh, really kind of prevented a lot of these uh, good, real momentum swings that we usually are able to make against a lot of these good teams. And I think that Grand Valley did a great job, especially um, when you looked at it. They really beat us on the boards. It really was a tough task to try to overcome 41-26 of the, the margin, the rebound department. And that's a tough thing to do. I thought we did really well from the free throw line. We were able to take those shots that we were able to get um, from the stripe. But uh, I think Grand Valley just showed that they can uh, they can really win the win these games in multiple dimensions when you saw how well they played inside. And obviously, that was just a tough task for our girls to overcome. And that's unfortunate um, that it had to end that way because I thought we were really going into that game uh, with a lot of good momentum from that Davenport win that could have had us in a good position to maybe try to upset the Lakers. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a tough part, too, because when you look at it, they had 19 offensive rebounds. I mean, getting those second-chance buckets, and I mean, even if you get half of that, I mean, that's 18 points off of rebounds off a second chance if you kind of just really look at, like, the statistics. I mean, that's just a really tough show. I mean, they didn't shoot super well. They have a huge team. Holy crap. Yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 people on the bench. Yeah, 16 players. Brother. And they played almost almost oh all of them. My God, <laughs> holy crap! Just flabbergasted right now. But That's yeah, wild. No, they have a really deep team, and I think that that really shows on some of these, um, really these nationally ranked teams. As you see, how well alert um, alert these play. Alert. Uh-oh. Ferris State University cancels afternoon and evening evening classes for Monday, February twenty seventh. <laughs> Oh, let's go. Snap. Snow day, baby. Wow. Snow day. Snow day. This is absolutely insane. I mean, it's not news to you guys because you'll probably already gotten it when this episode comes out, but huge. Yeah. I let's mean, go, this is, that's a bomb drop right there. That's I mean, huge. That's huge. Un- Ooh, emergency weather alert. <laughs> yeah. Which means I also got to get the ice off my car in order to get yeah. home from the studio. But anyway, Don't know if I'm going to be stopping at Jersey Mike's after this. Oh, there you go. I'm so, still going to stop at Jersey Mike's. I'll fare the weather. Yes. Care. Anyway, back to basketball. Happy snow day to everybody. If you're listening to this. Back to, yeah. Back you, to Grand Valley having everybody. Yeah. So, but if you are watching this today, also. Thank you, and we appreciate you as our level one supporters. No, but, no better way to spend a snowy day in than uh, chilling out and listening to this podcast. Yeah, but there you go. Back so, to my back to my point. Having that many people uh, giving that many um, minutes, I mean, that's just you just have an endless supply of energy. Yeah, throughout the whole way, which was tough. But I mean, when we go into it, it's. That, I mean, I, I mean, we still have a solid amount of reserves, but compared to eleven on the bench, and. All of them got in and one, two, three, four, five, almost six had over 10 minutes of playing time. It's wild. Yeah, it is wild. It's certainly a good team. And we uh, certainly had a lot of lessons that we learned in Allendale. And I know Coach Westendorf mentioned that in the post game. But uh, I think where we are as a position wise in this conference, I think we're in still pretty good shape. Uh, I think we're in a position now where uh, we're kind of fighting as the underdog, which honestly isn't a bad place to be, you know, going to be taking on uh, a good Parkside team, I believe in the three, six matchup. So we're going to be traveling on the road to Parkside and then uh, the eventual tournament could end its way um, and finish up in Allendale once again. So if we upset Parkside, this could be March memories Mm -hmm. round two here from last year. Mm -hmm. So there's some good things to come out of it um, at the end of the day. But I think you still saw some good performances. I mean, obviously, shout out to Mallory McCartney. 
1,000 points, 500 boards, 500 assists. One of the first players to do that in very recent memory. I know I fact-checked and tried to go back at least 10 years, and I could not find somebody. So you could even park that as the first person in the last decade at least to hit that milestone. And certainly no better Bulldog to hit that mark than Mallory McCartney. But um, she led the way with 15 points in that game, 12 for Chloe Idoni, as well as eight rebounds from Kenzie Bauer, seven from Al Irwin, who also had 10 points. Um, And I think you saw a lot of good things from that team over overall, um, as well as me Riley adding eight off the bench in that Allendale game. So a lot of good stuff. And now as we go into tournament play, obviously GV Michigan Tech, the top of the tables right now at the one, two seed. So they'll be fighting for hosting duties and hoping upsets for each other. Um, but we're going to be going to Parkside going to be taking out a good Ranger team that we've played once before this season. Um, so certainly a lot to really come by. And I think the one thing that you mentioned, uh, we lost to this team obviously twice early on um, in the regular season, 13 point loss on the road as well as I think it was a nine point loss at home back in January. Uh Um, But it's hard to beat a team three times. I know that is true. That is a tough thing to do. So we got as much tape as we want on this team. And it's hard to beat a team three times. So we're mm-hmm. we're still in so a lot. We're still in some pretty good shape, regardless of what the general public has to say. But I'll tell you what, watch out for that Saginaw team at number five. They could be playing spoiler for sure. Um, and I think that could make a very interesting early predictions. Um, who's gonna win the tournaments for both? Uh Ferris and Ferris. Okay. One hundred percent. I just had to double check. Okay, there you go. But I see you're trying to press a button over there. I was going to press a button. Press the button. What are we going to press? But I, refer, I, I was going to say <laughs> upset that was alert. That one. <laughs> it was that one. Okay. Oh my god. I was going to say breaking news. It's a sleeper alert. And there sleeper you go. Alert, so Ferris and Ferris sweeping the Palmy alert, tournaments once Arnie again. Palmy alert. Arnie Palmy alert. <laughs> <laughs> Arnie Palmy. Oh my gosh, you need to stop it right I love now. That movie. Anyway, we got us some great things on deck as well to recap. But we'll see. How women's will do coming up on yeah, Wednesday. That going to be sick, dude. Parkside at, I believe, actually 6.30, not 7 o'clock. I had to make sure, and you put it on the board for me, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, um, brother. So 6.30, that game will be tipping off over from Kenosha across the big pond of Lake Michigan. Anyway, finishing out the show, indoor track was in action this weekend. History we- has been made. Oh, my goodness. Got a lot to recap. We'll get right into it. Definitely a fun meet overall, and I think the, the number one thing to really bring about is this at Saginaw is run a lot differently than at other venues like Grand Valley because all the warmups take place off of the actual track surface. You go into the rider center and you have the old indoor track that you will warm up on and obviously make do all your warm-up drills and yada yada. I'm almost like gonna burp. I was here gonna for say you almost like choking or I'm something. I'm like right trying there. to hold it back. But anyway, uh we're gonna we're gonna stay in it. Um it was definitely a different experience, one that I hadn't actually gotten to experience because back in, uh, I believe it was my sophomore, it was last time I was at Saginaw and I was uh, out on redshirt with a, with medical. So I wasn't actually able to compete in indoor when it was that time. So it was a different experience for me all the way around having that warm up outside of the playing surface. You know, you kind of get a feel of the environment. You're kind of excluded from that. So um, that certainly made the race hype and I was very excited going into it. Didn't have as great of a performance I wanted. Still got a personal best so I can hang my hat on at the end of the day. I know I'm very very hungry for more. Um, but at the end of the day, got a lot of work to do for outdoor and we'll put that in as it goes, but still a lot of great success overall. No bigger, honestly, here's a lot of great performances throughout the entire weekend. Obviously three medalists, certainly something to hang your hat on at the end of the day. All of them were equally as great, but as a fellow distance man, as a fellow cross country athlete, the effort that Donis Harris has put in over the last week, He's a dog. Needs to be put in the record books. He's a dog. Absolutely incredible what he was able to do. Broke the school record in the mile, 406, last weekend at the tune-up, right? Didn't even race the mile. He went to the 5K, finished fourth in an absolutely loaded event uh, against Grand Valley and Saginaw. Was still able to fight for fourth. Get the school record there, 1427. And y'all, that's freaking fast. If you don't understand how fast that is, I'll have to explain it to you in another format. Think of it as a car uh, necessarily when you're going 60 miles per hour to try to break a speed record uh, going down to GR. Imagine that same car but going 80. It's pretty much in, insanely fast for how that performance was. Um, but that wasn't a very great example, but that's as close as I can put it. In the layman's terms, the runners out there know how freaking fast that yeah, is. Yeah. And that's all the point it is. Uh, and then he comes back this next day, runs the 3K, wins it in a championship-style race into the favor, potentially, of Grand Valley and Saginaw. He wins it, 821. And it was top, technically top three all time. Dog. Could have been arguably a record if nobody had known about the other converted times that we looked up later on. But 
winning that champion of the GLIAC in the 3K in the most loaded div- distance freaking conference there is out there in Division Two. I mean, that's absolutely phenomenal. One ten points for the men's team. Best finish in quite some time. Um, finishing fifth overall. Our guys did an absolutely great job. The women did a great job as well. Um, you saw Claudia Wilkinson was second in the high jump. She performed very, very well. Got to watch some of that uh, of that competition. She was in the high jump over the final stretch in that final uh, that final mark. And it was certainly down to the wire between her and first place Grand Valley's competitor. Um, but I think she did very, very well. And she definitely stepped up to the plate in the big meet. Um, Tariq Brett also third debut, uh, not necessarily his first race, but his first season as a sprinter finished third in the GLIAC. No problem for him. No Absolute biggie. speed demon. So he scored us uh, six points as well. Um, did a fantastic job. He's got a huge future in this sport. No question about it. Uh, and a lot of great performances all the way around as well. Bryce George was seventh in the shot put, um, scoring two points. Kyle Driard was fifth in the weight throw. Aaron Pierce, sixth in the long jump. He had a big day as well. Noah Griffith, seventh in the mile. Dan Hardesty right behind eighth bull scoring. Uh, Andrew Shaffley, seventh in the 800. He scored as well. DMR team did really well. They took fourth, four by 14, took six, got some points. Uh, Danae Felsposh, fifth in the 800, big points there. Um, and a lot of great performances. PB was wise, not necessarily as many um, high skill and or not skill, excuse me, high uh, placing finishes um, on the women's side. A lot of ninths overall, which is really tough for, for them because they put in a lot of work as well for how well they did. Uh, Rebecca Marvin did really good. She got eighth in the shot put as well um, as I thought Emma Stefan, I believe, was seventh on the list um, in the weight throw. Yes, yeah, seventh she finished um, scoring points as well. Uh, four by four was fifth. DMR also fifth. Um, so I thought there was a lot of great performances all the way around and it was absolutely a great performances. I looked up on the recap here, um, on the Ferris athletics recap, and there was, I believe a, a mark that was made that it was our best finish. And this is confirmed. Apparently our best highest scoring performance since 93. That is really 20, shoot, 30 man. years old. I almost did my math wrong. That's 30 years old that we had our best performance wise. So that's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the women did very, very well as well. Uh, fourth time in the last five seasons, finishing that high. So I think that was just a very good performances all the way around. I was super proud to be a bulldog that day, just watching it come. It was really the one of those meets where you were just like, now it is all coming together and uh, it's all about it. That just makes you feel so great uh, as a teammate for a lot of these athletes, especially the ones that have put in all that tireless hard work um, to get to that point. And I know there's a lot more that were more hungry, even though they finished with point scoring efforts, personal best, they wanted more. I know I was in that boat myself, but I think that there's a lot that this team can do, especially in outdoor. And I mean, we're going to be fired up and ready to go when it comes time to get to that outdoor season coming up here late in March. Dude, boys are boys and girls are rolling right now, man. It's a it's a great day to be a bulldog. Let me tell you what, man. Especially for Donna to be able to break that win. I heard everyone, uh, what was it? The our athletics group chat. We were talking about that when Donna's broke the mile or broke the record and stuff like that. Man, it was pretty solid. He I is him. Yeah. It's he's him. Donna's is him. Yeah, this is a, an athlete of the year nominee type of season that he's had for how well he's done in indoor. And I hope that we can get that um, him as a nominee because he did very well. Not being biased, because there's a lot of other great athletes that will be put in that conversation when it comes time to the to the the, the SB awards that we'll have later on for all the athletes. So uh, I think this has been a phenomenal campaign for him, especially. I know there, everybody deserves all the credit for all the great performances this weekend, but his really showed out from my perspective. A guy that I look up to, especially coming into the program uh, and seeing all the hard work he's put in and has really inspired me and a lot of my teammates to really follow in his footsteps. So he's paved the way for us and can't thank him enough. And it's especially can't be more congratulatory for what he put on display this weekend. Cause I'll never forget it for sure. But great performances in indoor. Uh, I think especially now really establish ourselves in the conference a little bit. We're starting to put our name out there and we're starting to put, do some damage. And I don't think that's sleep what, on the dogs, man. Don't sleep on the dogs, man. We're, we're hungry. We're ready to go. Going to be a great outdoor season. The schedule is officially out and we got some meets that we are very excited about. Bucknell is one of them. One of the fastest meets in the country will be returning to um, as well as 
will be going down to Kentucky. So hopefully we'll have nice weather. We were stru- struck out last year when it came down to driving to Kentucky for nice weather. We struck out in that department. So hopefully we get a good weather uh, turnout for the Hilltopper Relays over in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, as well as a trip down to Oakland, Bucknell. And then we'll finish out the rest of the season in the great Mitten State, Grand Valley, Davenport, and Davenport for the Outdoor yes, Championships sir. May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Let's go. It's going to be a great time. I think it is, man. I think it is. Outdoors is a great season for me. I love skipping steeps and I'm ready to go. Um, But I know all of our guys after this indoor season are like, wow, we did a lot of great things and we're not done yet. And that's the attitude I love to see of we're ready to get back at it. We're ready to improve. A lot of guys surprise themselves. I know I hit, I believe all but one of my marks that I was setting for indoor. And I was just like, wow, like I feel like I should feel great, but I'm, I'm, I'm not actually feeling as great because I'm like, I can do way more. And that's where I know my attitude's at. I know I didn't have the best race that I wanted to uh, on Sunday, and but I'm ready to go. And I know everybody's what? feeling that way, whether they scored 10 points or whether they scored zero points. Everybody's ready to go. And I think that just showing you that this team is really about each other in the community. Uh, and I know, obviously, I'm, it's coming from me and that's biased, but that's whatever. This team really has yeah, been doing a lot of great work. And now it's starting to be recognized. And that that really, really gives me some greatness um, to go back at the end of the day, too. So I'm really excited to see that come through. Running hard, man. Running outdoors is sick, too. It is. I don't it's, even like running, but sometimes I'll take a little jog outside. It's just a whole different thing. Yeah. And I think especially competing outdoors is like a... It's way better than indoor. Yeah. I know that. Well, I mean, we've talked about that already. Yeah. But it just adds like a whole new element, I feel like. Plus, me, I feel like outdoors is just like a different feel. It is a different feel. It is. It's not necessarily, it's more of an experience than it is like a, like when you go into indoor, it kind of feels like a nine to five thing where yeah. it's more outdoors. It's like, it's kind of more of that business trip. It, yeah. It's more of like a business trip kind of feel. Hey, man, which I was is nice. track manager in high school. What? So I, yeah. You didn't tell me this. I thought. I didn't. I don't think you've told me this. Oh yeah, I was you a were a track manager. I try. Yeah, I managed a track team. What? Like I had a stopwatch and stuff. I would like tell people their times when they were running around. Dude, I'd tell people who would like set the pace and stuff like that. I made like a one time I had to set up the four by four team. What? That's crazy. Like, it was like kind of like the the C team four by four. Uh, you just like, we need another event. Go ask people if they want to run it. Like, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to set it up good. And go then, ask the distance I had the, kid. I, I did, I did ask the distance kid. I did ask the distance kid. I asked all my buddies who ran like the mile and the and the 3K and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> distance four by fours are fun. I can't wait I to know, do another man. one. So going to be fun, but hey, I um, that's cool though. I didn't know you were, Joe's a big track guy apparently. Yeah, I, I big know. Big track guy? Big track guy. Oh, I'm I didn't say, even go know watch. that. I knew you were a big hockey guy, but not yeah. a big track guy. Interesting. Good to know going into the outdoor season. You know it's going to be, be fun. Man. You know how it be. Yes. Oh, and also softball, good performances this weekend as well. Worth mentioning uh, that team is certainly starting to improve as they go into spring break games as well as golf and tennis, which we'll get to here over the next coming Seasons weeks. Seasons are changing, man. I'm excited. It it's is a, exciting. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good time to be a bulldog. It's, I mean, it's not a good day right now. So, you know, it's heavy snow for the next 60 minutes. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. We better get out of here. So, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, as well as on YouTube. Big thanks again for Athletic Director Steve Brocklebank for stopping by the show. Got more great interviews already lined up, including the big, big boss coming up. Oh, I shouldn't Yo. have teased it. You guys stayed here. You guys might be able to figure out who that is. You guys stayed for the entire minute, hour and seven minutes and you got that snippet. So I'm so glad that you guys were able to get that. So don't tell anybody that has a little to the show. Tell them to listen to the show and find out themselves. But going to be great next couple of weeks. And until next time. Take care, everybody.